Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi, everyone. First things first, (laughs) I hope the volume on this is okay. I'm recording this, and on Audacity, it's not showing up as the same volume as it normally is. I don't know how to explain that, but... So if the sound on this is a little low, I apologize. I just don't want to turn my mic sound all the way up because if I turn my mic sound all the way up, then it will sound even shittier than it being too low. (laughs) Welcome to High Tech Podcast with Liz Bentley. Anyway, um... Just so you guys know, I have started a medicine for my ADD and it helps with my depression a little and it's been mostly fine, but today I'm having really bad side effects for it and I don't feel very well, (laughs) but I'm feeling okay now. I have some energy. It was so crazy. I took my dog on a walk around one and I came back and I was like, okay, I'm going to record. I'll just like I like feel really hot and like don't feel that good so I'm just gonna like lay down for a minute and suddenly like I truly felt like I couldn't lift my head because I was like so nauseous and it's now 6 30 on Saturday night which is so late I never record this thing this late and yeah I like have mustered up the strength to do this it's been a really hard and bad afternoon um but I'm just trying to keep pushing through because like I said, this is the first time I my dose got upped on Thursday. I think Thursday. And this is the first day I'm like having bad side effects beyond just like that feeling of when you go on a new medicine, you know, you know, like anybody here that's been on meds knows like that first week or two when you go on them, your body just feels like weird and you get headaches and like you're just adjusting. And so I'm pushing through because I do think the medicine has really been helping me. But yeah, this is not relevant. (laughs) Hi, guys. Baby news. So Kale had her baby. We still don't know its name. God only knows when she's going to tell us the baby's name. Maybe never. (laughs) Maybe never. And Chelsea is pregnant with a girl. Uh, Like, to that I say Mazel Tov. Like, I don't. There's nothing bad to say about Chelsea having another baby. Like, she is financially stable. She is in a loving marriage. She seems to be raising three very happy and well-adjusted children. So, like, mazel tov to her for getting pregnant again. Like, I, there's nothing bad to say, but there's also nothing, like, positive for me to say either. Like, (laughs) that's so rude. I just don't care that much. Like, there's no excitement in it for me. I'm like okay, Chelsea's pregnant again. I think I've felt that way since she announced her pregnancy with Lane. Like, I think the only pregnancy I really cared about with Chelsea was Watson because that was exciting. It was her first one with Cole. But, like, when you have a fourth kid, if it's not somebody that you're, like, super close to when the fourth kid is coming, it's just not, it's not that exciting. (laughs) Right? Like, it's just not that exciting. Um, So, like, congrats to them. They're going to have their beautiful new home that's going to look so dated in five years because Chelsea's doing literally every trend. If you have not seen Chelsea's house, you can go to her Instagram, Down Home DeBoers. It's really interesting how Chelsea is like turned into a full influencer. And for that, honestly, I say good for her because you guys know I like 
you can go back to the beginning of Feathers in My Hair and I was like trashing Chelsea for not being an influencer and not taking advantage of her platform. I've said many times that Chelsea truly has the ability to become like a C-list version of Lauren Conrad. Like she is so beloved. She has a great story going from Adam. People Look, she lost the weight. People love that. Like, Chelsea really has a lot to offer as far as influencing goes. And I remember I used to be so confused as to why she, like, never did ads. And she never seemed to be, like, monetizing anything. And she just, like, wasn't using her social media uh, to its maximum money potential. And now she is. And to that I say, smart, finally. She's probably making a fuck ton of money. Anytime Chelsea posts anything on her Instagram, her rates are probably quite high because she has like 5 million followers, I think. And her engagement is like crazy. I'm looking her up right now. Um, so Chelsea has 5.8 million followers. Her, her, uh, post where they announced that it's a girl got almost a million likes. Um, her first baby bump picture got 833,000 likes the baby post got over a million likes and over 20,000 comments. Um, she's, you know, on even her non, like, announcement posts, she's aver- she gets a lot of comments. She gets a ton of likes. And that is what people like to see people as an, uh, like, brands like to see almost more than numbers. I don't, if you guys don't know this, like, engagement rates are what really push your rates up. And that means, like, the amount of people that like your posts and comment on your posts as like in consideration of how many followers you have. So if she has 5 million followers and she's getting a million likes on a post, that's like crazy good engagement. I think usually engagement's around 10%. Um, so like you have good engagement if you're on um, most of your posts are getting like 10% of your followers are liking or commenting. So I have long shit on Chelsea for not doing anything with her brand. I've felt that way since she was like, I'm going to start a blog. And she had a lot of like started and failed projects. I remember at one point she was talking about doing a skincare line, I think. Do you guys remember that? I think that was happening. Something along those lines. And it just like never came to fruition. I was like, well, Chelsea's lazy and she doesn't like She's not taking advantage of the things she should be. And now she is. And like like I said, financially, it makes a lot of sense. Career-wise, it makes a lot of sense. She's really setting up her brand outside of Teen Mom. Um, she really is modeling her account after, after, after like the big family vloggers. I've long said that Chelsea should be family vlogging. But vlogging is really hard and takes a lot of time and energy, and I don't think Chelsea has that dedication. But she really is a full-on influencer, and for me, I find that, like, very boring because it's just a dime a dozen. Like, they're so – oh, my gosh, I have the hiccups. I'm I'm truly falling apart right now. <laughs> my body is shutting down. <laughs> Does my voice sound weird? I feel like my voice is super raspy right now. Oh, God. I'm a fucking mess. But there are so many women on Instagram. I say women. There are some men doing it, too. But I... Look. 
I see a lot of criticism when it comes to snarking on influencers that are like, this is misogynistic. Like, why don't you hold men to these standards? And to that, I say, I do not care about men. For the most part, I do not care about any man to follow him as closely as I would women. Like, I care about women. I care about women-made content. I care about snarking on women (laughs) and their content. Like, I... I just don't care about men very much. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, like, men don't interest me very much. Um, that goes, like, across all things that I watch and follow, TV and internet. Like, and friendship-wise, like, I've always had a ton of female friends and, like, not a ton of guy friends. Like, I have guy friends, but, like, my female friendships have always been, like, the most important thing when it comes to friends and I don't know. I just don't care about men that much. And so, but there, how did I get here? Oh, Chelsea. Chelsea is just, now she's just any other influencer. And that's really boring. Um, It's really uninspired. It's really unoriginal. Like, if you look at, she really, like, models herself off this person. I think her name is Erin Williams. She was on Big Brother, and the only reason I know her is because at the time she was on Big Brother, she was dubbed, like, the most racist Big Brother cast member ever. (laughs) And now she has rebranded herself into a family vlogger that Chelsea's obsessed with. And if you look at her page, or you look at, um, like, big one, if you look at Colin Savlebrandt, who just named their new baby Zealand, which is a choice. If you look at, like, Savannah's page, like, Chelsea's looks very similar to her. I would say, okay, baby is up this way. Like, Chelsea obviously watches a lot of YouTube and obviously consumes content from a lot of Instagram influencers. Like, I bet if I looked through her following list, it would be a lot of influencers. And so everything she does kind of mimics that now. And it sells and it's popular And it's popular for the same reason that Lauren Conrad was more popular than Kristen or Heidi or anybody else. It's because she's boring and bland and easily digestible. And she's pretty, but not too pretty. She's funny, but not too funny. She's kind of smart, but not too smart. Like Chelsea really does encapsulate a lot of the things that made Lauren Conrad so like beloved with like, white girls between the ages of, like, 16 to 35, right? Like, Lauren Conrad was the shit. I have said, I've talked about this on my um, Patreon. If you go to, if you want to subscribe to my Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Explains and you can sign up for $5 a month and you'll get access to, like, the 60 fucking episodes I've done over there since March. <laughs> I've put out so many episodes over there. But one of them is, or a couple of them, but I did an episode on Laguna Beach and I talked with my friend Jay. Hi, Jay. It's Jay's birthday, or it was yesterday. Happy belated birthday, Jay. But we talked about Laguna Beach. I think it's one of my best episodes that I've ever done. And I have, like, put forth the theory that I think Lauren Conrad, like, invented influencing as we know it. Like, of course, there's, I mean, celebrities have always been influencers. But, like, the the influencer that's, like, just famous for being themselves, um, obviously, Lauren had the help of the TV show. But Lauren was one of the first reality TV stars that was able to turn her brand from a TV show into, like, a whole lifestyle thing 
that like everybody wanted to follow. And if she was the first person that had like a pretty grid before we even would call Instagram pictures like a grid, like Lauren Conrad, without Lauren Conrad, I'm not sure if influencing would look the exact way it does today. I really do believe that. And that's why she is so famous and popular because of those reasons, because she's just like kind of bland and easy to digest and pretty and fun and nice. And I think that's what Chelsea is. A dog outside barked. So now my dog is very upset. <laughs> and Chelsea obviously knows. I think also like Chelsea is just a very basic person without a ton of personality and a ton of original thought. So I think this realm of like influencing for her is very natural and it's just boring for me to follow. So yeah, congrats to Chelsea, Cole, Aubrey, Lane, and Watson. What do I think she'll name the baby? I don't, probably like a, I think maybe a masculine name like Hunter or James or what she really should do is name the baby Cole, like a girl Cole. I think that would be very cute. You could call her Coley. Growing up, I had a friend named Coley that was a girl and it was short for Nicole and we were friends at the shore and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. Have I talked about the fact that I grew up going to sailing camp? Well, I did. And everybody at sailing camp had their own boat. Like, to be at camp, you have to have your own boat. They're called Opti's, if you want to Google it. O-P-T-I. They're about the size of a bathtub. Um, and every kid has their own boat and sail, and you, you learn to sail. And then if you want to, you go on to more, like, harder boats as you get older. Um, if you've ever, like, been on a vacation and sailed a sunfish, it's, like, kind of similar to that, but a little harder. So... I grew up sailing and my boat's name was White Dragon. My first boat was named White Dragon um, because I was like obsessed with this girl that lived in my neighborhood. <laughs> Can you tell I was bisexual from a young age? Um, well, like my whole life, but you know, okay. I was obsessed with this girl that lived in my neighborhood and she was really into like dragons and warlocks and shit and I was not but I was obsessed with her so I pretended like I was and so I named my boat White Dragon and then I hated that name about six months after I did that and I don't think we ever changed it and then I sailed my brother's boat because he had a better one than me and it was called Fat Cat P-H-A-T Cat because my brother loved Garfield <laughs> when he was a kid Garfield was his thing and our cat was named Garfield <laughs> So his boat was the fat cat. Why am I talking about this? Oh, Coley. So Coley's boat name was Coca Coley in the Coke font. <laughs> this was un this was truly unnecessary for me to include, but that is a fun fact about me that I know how to sail. Well, I know how to sail an Opti. I don't think I could sail any other boat, but I know about sailing. Um, okay. Kale's baby, God only knows what that fucking name's gonna be. Uh, I've seen a lot of speculation that it might be Austin after Post Malone, which I could really see. And I think that would fit with the other boys' names that aren't Lux. Uh, Chris has seemingly been around. Oh, Kale had the baby at home. And I'm just grateful that everybody is happy and healthy. Um, as I think I talked about on here, Kale had shared on her podcast that she went to three doctors that told her not to do a home birth. And then she did one. Um... I probably am more, like, home birth positive than most people. My best friend is a doula, and she had all her children, all four children at home, and 
I've watched a lot of great documentaries on home birth. And there's this woman named Ina who like started the home birth movement in the United States in the 70s and like lives on this compound. And she has like this incredible documentary and these books. And I would definitely consider myself a person that is home birth positive. And Kale really made me nervous doing that. Like really, really, really made me scared and nervous. So I'm just glad that everybody is here and everybody is healthy. That reminds me, I'm actually going to bring on a woman on this podcast, hopefully in the next two weeks, who lives in Chicago. She's a black woman. She's a doula and is in school to be a midwife and wants to, her friend reached out to me and asked if she could sponsor an episode for my Patreon because people sponsor episodes there to do, uh, to have her friend on so she could like use the platform to talk about um, like black women maternal health care and I was like uh first of all yes but we're gonna do that on feathers in my hair and you're not gonna pay money to do that because I think that it's a really important issue the rates of black women that die during childbirth in the United States is horrifying if you do not know that I highly suggest you looking it up um there are a lot of great black midwife and uh doula organizations in the United States that raise money that help black mothers that you can donate to I highly suggest that and yeah I am going to have her on the podcast I'm really excited I just have to set up a time to record probably in two weeks but I'm really looking forward to it and I am grateful to have a platform that I can do this with you know like it's pretty rare that most people would be able to do this and I do and I'm just really I'm just really glad So, anyway, should we talk about the episode I decided to recap because we don't really have information on Kale and I can't roast her baby name yet. That'll probably have to be next week. So, I really loved doing that episode of with Tomlin where we talked about Team OG Season 5. I realized I hadn't revisited any of it since I started the podcast. And watching that episode, I was, as Tomlin and I pointed out, like so many themes in that episode really set up where we are with the girls now and like how the fandom views them. So I was like, I want to watch some more. So I decided to watch Team Mom OG Season 5, Episode 9. Um, you can get it on Amazon. I think the MTV app has them all, but you guys know I'm bad with money and like to buy these episodes. <laughs> And it was a pretty good episode. It really, once again, like, I really felt like this established a lot of things that we would come to see constantly in our girls. So let's get right into that after a quick break. So let's start out with Macy. Macy, this episode is filmed right after she gets into a really bad car wreck. I, okay, so she started the episode, she was like, Bentley and I were just in a bad car wreck. We were in New York. So they all went to New York and Macy and Farah had a fight, a fight, like a a little back and forth verbally. I was going to cover that, but then I was like, I don't know how much actually happens in that episode. But once she got back from New York, her and Bentley were in the car and she's like, we got into an accident. We were fine. And I was like, "Okay, like we're going to talk about this all episode. Like, who cares? I forgot how fucking bad this episode was or her. I mean, (laughs) well, Freudian slip. I forgot how bad her car accident was. So Macy was driving in the fast lane. She had Bentley in the car in his car seat. They were both wearing seatbelts. Remember, she's pregnant with Jade at this point. She said she had 
11 weeks left. So what, she's 29 weeks pregnant at this point. And she, a woman in the slow lane, her tire blew out and Macy like swerved to try and like avoid that lady. And Macy's Jeep rolled three times. And then they show us the Jeep and I was like, holy shit. And thank God for their seatbelts. Thank God Bentley was in a car seat and they walked away totally fine. There was no harm to the baby no harm to Macy or Bentley. Macy said she had like three bruises. Bentley had one bruise and that was it. And I was like, first of all, you guys know I'm crazy about car seat safety. (laughs) And this is why, like, that is so scary. Macy said when they landed, they were like upside down. Like they landed on her roof and she and Bentley were both just dangling. Um, First of all, wear your fucking seatbelt always. Wear your seatbelt. I grew up with a dad that's, like, very strict about seatbelts. Like, very strict. Like, would not start the car unless we all all had our seatbelts on. So, I am a seatbelt wearer. Um, As I've gotten older, I've gotten, like, there are times where I, like, drive out of my neighborhood without it on. And then I'm like, Liz, come on. Put it on. But I am a seatbelt wearer. And it's because of shit like this. Macy was, her life was truly saved by the seatbelt. Imagine rolling three times and landing upside down without a seatbelt on. And she said that, like she realized they were upside down and she was like okay Bentley stay there I'm gonna get myself out and then I'm gonna come get you out and Bentley being the little cutie pie that he is and adventurer got himself out she's like by the time I got around the car he was already climbing out (laughs) oh but she's like really she's really shook up and I will say like when they started talking about this, I was like, the snooze, like, because I don't know, it's like, how much do I care about somebody's car accident? You know, it's just like not eventful. Like everybody's okay. Like, okay, great. But when they really talked about how serious it was, I was like, wow. And Macy said she was having flashbacks and I was in like nightmares. And I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, she's pregnant her son is in the car she probably thought they were all gonna die or the baby was gonna die she also said that like she didn't know if the baby was okay obviously until they went to the hospital so she like had all of this time where she wasn't sure if the baby was okay like I really felt for me seeing this episode like I I wouldn't say that I normally like am particularly empathetic to Macy because she just doesn't warrant a lot of emotion but in this one I was like fuck Like, I wonder if she has any long-lasting, like, anxiety around that. I would, I think. I've never been in a very bad car accident. I've only been in, like, minor things where I was just, like, a bad driver. And I haven't been, knock on wood, since I think the last time I got in a car accident, which is I hit somebody at a light because I was at, because it was a whole thing. Um, She was supposed to be, it was the type of, like, turn onto the highway at a light where you're supposed to merge on. You know what I mean? Like, it's an extended um, merge lane. And she had stopped, like, like she was waiting for cars when she'd be able to get over. And I was expecting her to go straight. And I hit her, which was 100% my fault because I should have been, like, aware enough that if a person stopped, I could stop. But that was, I think, the last car accident I was in. And that was in... It was before I was sober. I mean, I don't think I've, I was, like, high at that time. Um, I'm trying to think. My boyfriend at the time was on work release <laughs> from jail, and I was picking him up from work. He worked for his dad, and what I would do every day was I would go to the county jail, which thankfully was actually only, like, six minutes from my house. It was very close to my house. 
And I would go to the county jail and I would pick him up at six o'clock in the morning, which was the earliest he was allowed to leave. Then we would go back to my house and hang out until eight. And then I would take him to work and then I'd pick him up at three. And then we would hang out at my house until I think 530. I think he had to be back by six. So, yeah, that's like what my life was like at this point. So this might have been in 2012, I think. Yeah, because, yeah, probably in 2012 or yeah probably in 2012 or 11 um and that was oh yeah because that apartment I was living at I moved out of in 2013 okay but that was the last car accident I've been in thankfully I'm very grateful to never have been in a bad car accident and everybody listening to this is like Liz and what I want to remind you is that my body is falling apart right now and my mind is a little weird (laughs) it's also very hot in my room because (laughs) I have to turn the fans off to record this, and usually I, um, especially on days I record, my room is very hot. It's over the uh, garage. It In the summer, it's hot. In the winter, it's cold. And usually I, so I got blackout curtains like a year ago. My mom got new curtains in her home, and in my room, they're blackout curtains, which actually really does a very good job of keeping it pretty cool in here. And I keep two fans on, just like low, coming from each end, and it's like comfortable. The first summer I was here, it was miserable, but then once I got the blackout curtains and the second fan, I'm always very comfortable in here now. But today, I kept the blind, I just wasn't thinking, I was not right today, and I kept the blind open all day so I could have natural light coming in because I hate during the day, like, it being dark in my room and having to turn on lights, and so it is approximately 90 degrees in my bedroom. (laughs) It's not that hot, but it's hot, and usually on Saturdays I try and be more conscious of this because I'm going to have to record and turn off my fan to record. (laughs) So that's where I am. Does that, I really am, like... I something's going on in my brain that I'm really like cluing into how much I'm talking about myself and now I understand why people leave bad reviews that say I hate when Liz talks about herself this whole podcast is about her talking about herself and to that I say yeah it is it truly is (laughs) so Macy most of the episode is just talking about the wreck and then we find out basically Basically, her and Taylor are out to dinner, and she's like, well, I wonder if the tabloids have, or Ryan, or Taylor asks, like, if the tabloids have picked up on her crash yet, and they're like, have Kiki ask. So Kiki asks, by the way, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to Kiki and Heather. Should I talk about that now? So in this episode, we saw a lot of production, Um, and at the time... Kate and Macy seem to be mostly working with Kiki and Heather and or Amber and Farrah worked with Heather. And I thought this was very interesting because as we know, Heather eventually got fired from Teen Mom. We don't really know why. There's allegations that she was too close to Farrah and then allegations that Amber got her fired. But it's very obvious to me that Heather is like has to handle the bad ones and she's very good at handling the bad the bad and the temperamental ones heather is always kind of able to get Farrah to calm down heather's always able to get amber to talk to her and kiki gets to handle the easy ones right kate and tyler like you turn on that camera and they're like all right baby let's go like say what you want about kate and tyler but i guarantee you they have never been well actually this isn't true because do you remember that they did a special 
where the producers talked about who like was the hardest to get in touch with and apparently Kate will just like turn off her phone on days where they're supposed to meet but besides that I'm sure Kate doesn't push back against producers. I'm sure Tyler and Kate are like, okay, we'll talk about this. Okay, you want us to talk about this? You want us to talk about this? Sure, sure, sure. And that's essentially how Macy is as well, right? Macy's probably a little more firm in her boundaries. But for the most part, I would say if I had to be a producer on this show and I had to pick somebody I was going to produce for, it would be Macy first, Kate and Tyler second, and then Amber and Vera, a far distant third and fourth. So I just found that interesting and we really see it in this episode because Amber has a bad episode and Farah has a bad episode and Macy and Kate kind of have fine. Well, they basically, I don't know, you just like get this sense when watching this, like, wow, it's probably so much easier to work with Macy and Kate than with Farrah and Amber. Okay, so Kiki is looking up to see if Macy's accident is in the tabloids, and then she sees a picture of an accident Ryan had gotten in a month before. I'm sure that they just wanted to bring this up, and this is how they decided to bring this up. But Ryan had gotten in a really bad car accident. He was not wearing his seatbelt. And if you guys will remember... And if you go back, I'm sure, and listen to early Feathers My Hair podcasts, this car accident is actually very relevant to the Team Mom fandom. Why, you ask? Because people, I don't mean to laugh. So when Ryan started to get really bad, and he's actually quite bad in this episode. I was actually shocked at how high he was in this episode. I was like, fuck, Ryan is high as shit. But when Ryan first started to get really bad, but, like, he hadn't been arrested and nobody knew he was using and he wasn't, like, nodding out on camera, a lot of people in the fandom were adamant that Ryan had suffered a serious head injury. I swear to God, guys. I swear to God. People in the fandom were adamant that Ryan had suffered a serious head injury in this car accident, and that's why he acted the way that he did. (laughs) I swear to God. And I'd be like, no, Ryan's on drugs. Like, I've realized that Ryan is on drugs for quite a while. I think what really tipped me off to it is that Ryan and Larry, if you guys will remember, got into a fight one time about Larry's tools. And I was like, oh, Ryan pawned his tools. Like, Ryan's using. And people are like, no, he's just that way because of the car accident. And I do think that, like, I can see how people got there, right? Because Team Mom had been off the air. Like, Ryan gets really apparently got very into his uh, addiction in like 2013 I think he had gone to uh, treatment for the first time according to Dallas his ex-girlfriend maybe even earlier but that was when Teen Mom was off the air and then an early Teen Mom episode like Teen Mom OG season 5 where we are now like he's not on screen that much he's not getting that much camera time and Then kind of suddenly he's getting more camera time. He gets with Mackenzie. So like they have more of a storyline for him and the Edwards. And people were like, well, what the fuck is wrong with Ryan? And what they did know was corresponding his downfall was this really horrific car accident he had been in. So for, I guess, people that think good of others and maybe don't have a ton of experience around drugs, what they would think is like, oh, my God, Ryan literally suffered a head injury and he's not right but what I realized is that Ryan was doing drugs and I knew he was doing hard drugs because there is a fight where Ryan sells Larry's tools and if that is not the most heroin addict thing that you've ever heard 
then you don't know heroin addicts and like honestly your life is probably much better for it but like to me I was able to recognize that fight from a mile away like that is a fight that my ex-boyfriend would have with his parents all the time um and people that I knew thankfully I was in rehab by the time it would have like I didn't have to sell shit I hadn't gotten to the selling shit part yet and, and like stealing stuff to sell it like that wasn't my bag at this time I would just like I was still able to manipulate money out of like my parents and people and I was like, oh, I recognize this fight. I recognize this anger. I also know, I guess I had already been out of treatment and was sober at this point. So at this point, I knew like way more drug addicts than I ever had. Because that's the thing about rehab and sobriety is that if you don't know a ton of drug addicts and maybe you like are a person that uses alone, is that you meet a lot of them when you go to rehab. <laughs> a lot you meet a lot of them and I didn't know that many like addicts like this like I you know was introduced all of this from my ex-boyfriend through my ex-boyfriend I met his best friend who I used with because the last the year that I was using dope my boyfriend was actually in jail and so me and his best friend would cop together and I like didn't have any of the dealer's numbers so I always had to pick up with him it was a whole thing he's since passed away from a non-drug related incident isn't that crazy? He was a heroin addict and then he was on vacation in Hawaii and was like jumping off cliffs at night and died doing that. Okay. Like how crazy is that? Anyway, um, I didn't really know that many like addicts that were addicted to like hard shit. Like I hung out with a lot of what I now recognize were alcoholics and drug addicts, but it was different it like I hung out with like a lot of alcoholics people that still seem to be alcoholics um like cokeheads uh people that like did pills but like not opiates like I just wasn't around that that much and then I went to treatment and like really learned all about it and one thing that I really saw and I mean I did see this with my ex-boyfriend all the time and we would go to pawn shops together which I mean with shit he stole like stole not from his parents like stole shit and I would go with him to the pawn shop to try and pawn it um yeah and I know you're thinking but you just said you weren't doing dope yet and he was in jail and to that I say yeah well I guess the first month and a half or two months of me using he wasn't in jail yet um because I was using when he went to jail and I I very clearly remember that um but I have said many times even though I didn't become addicted to heroin until um, like August 2013, I guess, I basically had a heroin addiction from 2008 to 2013, and it was just by way of my boyfriend, probably much like Mackenzie and Ryan's relationship is, I would imagine. And my life revolved around my boyfriend, and his life revolved around heroin and sometimes cocaine. So my life revolved around those things, you know? Like, we would get into fights about it oh my god all the time you would steal from me it was just awful it was really awful I've I actually like <laughs> the first time I took a Suboxone which is a drug that's used to help you get sober from heroin but I managed to get addicted to it before I ever did opiates but I remember one of the first times I ever took it I was I took it because we were in his car and I was really mad at him because he was like forcing me to go into the city with him to cop and I didn't want to but I like didn't have 
enough in me to be like, oh, I'm not doing this. Like, take me home. I was just like pouting. And so he's like, here, take this and it'll make you feel better. And I got really high. I'm pretty sure that was the first time that I did that. And so, yeah, my life just like revolved around uh, a heroin addict and his life as a heroin addict. I think I found out he used, I honestly don't really remember. I don't remember at all when I figured out that he was using dope um, at all. I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember when he started openly using around me. I would imagine I found out. It's crazy. It's crazy I don't remember that. Do you ever, like, think at times that must have been so important at the time and now I have almost no memory of it? I don't remember. I mean, also, it was 12 years ago at this point. (sighs) I'm really old. That's upsetting. Um, I don't remember when he started openly using around me, but eventually he, uh, he did. Like, probably within a year of us getting together, I would imagine, He started openly using around me. And by that, I mean, like, shooting up in front of me. And at that point, I was, like, all in. I was going with him to the city to cop. We would actually drive my car into the city to cop. I wasn't doing heroin, guys. Like, this is, like, what my life was like. And can you tell that this is kind of a boring episode of Team Mom because I really just want to talk about myself? But I do. I do want to talk about this and and my life like revolved around a heroin addict and I saw how his family acted how I acted how his friends acted the very few friends that he had like our whole lives when you are in love or you love you know in love isn't a significant other or you love as a parent or a friend or a family member a drug addict especially an opiate addict like your life really does revolve around their addiction and so I would see you know his parents like so mad at him because he stole something from them or me so mad because he stole something from me once he stole um $300 in cash from me after I was waitressing and that I worked Friday night double Saturday and on Sunday and he stole all of those tips and then helped me look for them and I remember, like, going to work and telling my coworker that I lost or I had stolen from me, like, $300. And he goes, that's so fucking weird. I was like, I guess it fell out of my book. A book is, um like, a checkbook. Most servers have their own book, and that's where they keep all their shit, right? And I was like, I guess it fell out of my book. I have no idea. And he goes, oh, yeah, like, unless you have a heroin addict living with you, like, that's crazy. You must have lost it. And I remember I didn't think my boyfriend was using at the time I think and I remember being like oh fuck he stole that from me and then helped me look for it (laughs) but anyway I knew Ryan was addicted to drugs when that fight happened because I've seen that fight with my ex-boyfriend and his parents I've heard about these fights with all of the people that I met in treatment and in sobriety telling their stories of stealing shit, pawning it, and then the huge fights that they would have with their family. And I just knew. I just knew at that time. And I would, like, get on Reddit and be like, Ryan is a drug addict. And people would be like, no, he's not. He has a head injury. (laughs) So this car accident is actually quite relevant to the Ryan lore in the Team Mom fandom. Um, And when it finally came out he had an addiction, I was like, I fucking told you so. And someone's like, do you feel good that you're right that he was addicted to drugs? And I was like, good point. No, I don't. And I'm a shitty person. (laughs) Uh, So Macy, knowing this wreck happened, Macy, Taylor, Shelby, and Ryan meet up. 
And Macy Taylor, Shelby, and Ryan talk about the car accident and Shelby's just, like, you know, being nice. But uh, there's, like, there's nothing really to talk about because, as we all know, Ryan is not Bentley's parent. Like, Macy doesn't co-parent with Ryan. So talking to Ryan about this is, like, kind of meaningless. And they talk about the wreck and that type of shit. So, oh, and Macy asks if Bentley ever rides in his car without a car seat. And Ryan's like, well, yeah, if I don't have the car seat, he rides without it. And Macy's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't sit in one when I was Bentley's age. (laughs) And I know that he goes, I know the law says you need one, but like, it's fine. And like, if I don't have one, I don't have one. And Macy is horrified, of course. And this is when I think Macy starts to get really serious about Ryan not being allowed to be alone with Bentley. Because I think leading up to this, he had stretches of time where he was like living with Shelby or living with Dallas and he would get, Bentley would get to go over there. I think that was happening. He wouldn't necessarily go over there for the whole visit because I do think the visits always revolved around the Edwards. But Bentley would definitely get to be out with Bentley and whoever his, or Ryan and whoever his girlfriend was. And Bentley would, you know, spend a lot of alone time with Ryan. And I think Macy getting in this car accident that like made her really scared and probably so grateful that she used a car seat and like she's so happy to be alive. And then she finds out that Bentley is like riding around with her irresponsible ex-husband or his irresponsible dad and not in a car seat. And she goes and talks with a friend and she's like, I am worried about Bentley's safety and I don't want him to be alone around Ryan. And I was like, well, yeah, I wouldn't either. That sets some that sets some shit in motion. So that's it for Macy. Well, let's talk about Kate. This was a tough episode. And I'll be honest, it was a tough episode for me. It was like really, I really related to Kate a lot in this episode. And I'm sure anybody that has ever struggled with their weight or is fat or is overweight can relate to Kate in this episode. And it's tough. It's tough. So this episode is about Kate's weight. And she gained 60 pounds in her pregnancy. And she has lost 20 in the two months. So she's talking to Tyler and she's like, well, I want to lose about 40 more. They're seven months away from their wedding at this point. And Kate is not happy with her body. And Tyler, obviously, I don't know. I think that Tyler was, yes, maybe unattracted to her because of the weight gain. But I also think he like genuinely wanted Kate to be happy and healthy and kind of knew Kate wasn't going to do anything on her own, as he says later in this episode. So... Tyler's like okay well if you want to lose 40 pounds like you better start dieting right away and Kate's like well I'm breastfeeding so like you know if I wasn't breastfeeding I would like really go hard on exercise and Tyler's like well I think you can exercise and breastfeed and Kate's like I don't think so and so he like gets on Google and like yes she's allowed to diet yes she's allowed to breastfeed and Kate is like oh I just felt so bad for her because I I know that feeling of wanting to lose weight but being addicted to bad food that's what it is right it's a food addiction and it's like an impulse control issue and it's really hard and I I get it like I can really relate to that and I could relate to her in this moment and you know Tyler's like well we bought a food press I'm not sure what that is and an elliptical so like why don't you just start using them Oh, God. So then in another scene, Caitlin's dad's over and he's talking to Tyler and Tyler's like, well, you know, Nova changed 
everything. Like, before Nova was here, I said I wanted to go to film school. But now I'm like, I just have to finish my degree. And I have two years left on my psychology degree. And I was like, what? <laughs> you do? <laughs> I was so confused by this. I was like, Tyler has two years of a psychology degree? Or do you think maybe Tyler had gone to a couple classes and he had two years left to finish his associates? <laughs> I don't know. I was really thrown by that. Tyler's like, look, film school, it's just too hard of a life. It's not realistic, which is true. I was glad to hear him say that. And he said he needed to finish his psychology degree because that would guarantee him making money. And I was like, okay, Tyler is unaware of what it is like to get just a bachelor's degree in a helping field. (laughs) Like psychology or social work, it is very hard to do a lot with just a bachelor's degree in either of those. So... Kate and Tyler and her dad and stepmom, I guess that's her stepmom, sit down for dinner. And Kate's like, well, if I'm not at my goal weight by the time the wedding is, we'll just move it up a couple months. And Tyler's like, what? What did you just say? And Kate's like, oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She definitely wasn't kidding. She was trying to float this idea and see how Tyler would respond to it. First of all, like they, if you guys remember their wedding, they had their wedding at like that huge house thing, like. This wedding was definitely planned more than seven months in advance. Um, And so they start talking about, well, Tyler says, you know, before Carly, like, you wouldn't have been able to eat this whole plate. Like, you were tiny and you, like, never ate. And I was like, oh, do you think maybe Caitlin turned to food in her depression after she gave Carly up for adoption? Do you think maybe that has something to do with it? Do you think maybe Kate is stuffing her feelings with food like many of us do? I think that probably has something to do with it, would be my guess. Um, Obviously, her body changed with the baby, but him saying that was really interesting to me, that she used to not eat a lot. And then after Carly, she ate a lot. And I was like, wow, poor Caitlin. Poor Caitlin. That, like, her husband doesn't see that. So... His dad's girlfriend is like, you should stick to a 1,200 calorie a day diet, which like, yeah, she probably should if she wants to lose weight. And Tyler's like, well, why don't you go try on your wedding dress so it can see how much you have to lose? And her dad's girlfriend is like, oh, yeah, we'll motivate you. And I'm like, oh, no. So Kate bought her wedding dress two years ago because if you will remember, Kate and Tyler were supposed to get married significantly before they got married, like a significant amount of time before they ended up getting married. And they didn't because on couples counseling, VH1's couples therapy or whatever that show is called, uh, Tyler basically was like, I don't want to marry you. (laughs) Tyler basically was straight up like, I don't love you. I don't want to marry you. So they didn't get married. But obviously they stayed together (laughs) because they'll never part. (laughs) And she still has this wedding dress. She paid probably a decent amount of money for it. Wedding dresses are not cheap. Um, It looked I mean, it wasn't my taste, but it looked nice. Like, it looked like a, a well-made dress. I would guess that dress is probably two to $5,000 based on the many hours of Say Yes to the Dress that I've watched. <laughs> By the way, Alyssa, my friend Alyssa, um, her she proposed to her girlfriend, and they're getting married. And one day we were looking at wedding dresses for Alyssa's girlfriend to wear. 
or fiance now to wear. And I spent all morning just like basically planning my wedding dress that I would wear. And now I'm getting targeted ads for the rest of my life about wedding dresses. (laughs) It's really fucking annoying. So she goes to the store with her mom and goes to try on the dress and it doesn't fit because she's gained 40 pounds. Like, I don't know why she did this. She's like, I'm going to see how much it needs to be altered. But I guess nobody explained to Kate that it's like almost impossible to alter like a dress. Like most stuff, it's very hard to make bigger. You can make things smaller in clothes, but it's very hard to make things bigger, especially I would imagine a wedding dress that is already sewn together. So she's like, I'm going to go try it on to see. Oh my gosh, I have the hiccups. I'm dying. She's going to go try it on to see how much she needs to change it or to get it altered, she says. And I'm like, oh, this is when I wish Kate had like somebody in her life. I think that Kate really lacks um, like an adult in her life that can really tell her how the world works. Because I think if she had a caring adult in her life, they could have sat her down and been like, Kate, that dress is not going to fit you. You're not going to be able to make it significantly bigger. And it's okay. You can sell that dress or just go get a new one. You're back on MTV now. They'll probably pay for it. Ask them to pay for your dress. Go get one that fits you and it flatters you and it makes you feel good. I always tell my friends this. Like, I was at, I was talking with a friend, uh, like a casual friend, like not a a very close friend. We were at a party. So obviously pre-COVID, I think this was in like September of last year. And she was like, well, I've just been putting off buying the dress because she was getting married and like uh may they didn't have their wedding of course they were supposed to get married in like april or may and this is like the end of september i think and we were talking and she's like i just like i don't know i want to lose weight i don't like i don't love my body right now so i don't want to get a dress for this body and i was telling her i was like look the reality is is you're probably not going to lose weight like if you do they can take it in but like we are all women in our 30s like by the way This friend is, like, tiny. Like, she has a, I hate to say a great or a bad body, but she is probably a size four. Like, she was little. Um, And probably just, like, put on 10 pounds in her 30s, you know? And I was like, look, first of all, you look great. And the reality is, is, like, you're probably not going to lose all of this weight that you think you're going to lose. So why don't you go pick a dress out that, like, you love and it flatters your body that you have and then you don't have to spend the next seven months like killing yourself trying to get like fit for a dress that like might not fit and I was like it it just like you'll feel bad on your wedding day if you don't like lose this like uh, this number that you have come up in your head that you need to lose and she was like yeah you're right and she actually then like messaged me and was like Like, two days, uh, that was, like, a Saturday, and she messaged me on Tuesday, and she's like, hey, I just want to thank you for that. Like, I went and I scheduled an appointment to go get my dress, and I was, like, really happy to see that because I think our culture, first of all, puts so much emphasis on weddings. If you are not a patron to Buy Pumpkin, Princess's podcast, you should go become one, support Princess at all times, And she just did an episode. She's doing a series on true life over there. I'm actually going to go on in two weeks to talk about true life. I'm addicted to Molly because Princess never did drugs. And she needs her her best drug friend (laughs) to do it with her. Um, But Princess uh, did true life. I'm getting married too. And talked about like her disdain of weddings and weddings in general. And how she used to work in a, a wedding hall. 
And so, yeah, if you're interested in hearing about weddings from Princess's point of view, you should go become a patron of her. But Princess, or I, I feel like, you know, I'm not a person that, like, really buys into the idea of, like, a $50,000 wedding. Like, I don't really get it. It's never been something that I get. I don't remember as a child, like, dreaming of my wedding. I don't think I'm ever a person, even if I do get married, that would have a traditional wedding, especially now that I don't drink. Like, I don't... I don't know what a sober wedding with dancing looks like. Like, I'm not really interested in that. My ideal wedding would be to have, like, a courthouse marriage probably and then, like, a beautiful reception at a nice restaurant. Like, that would be my ideal where I could wear a pretty wedding dress. Um, Maybe even get married there somewhere outside or something. Like, but it's not, like, a traditional wedding. Um, But I... I think that we put so much pressure in society on brides and how brides are supposed to look and, you know, we torture our bodies to try and get them, like, thin enough and small enough to fit into these dresses. And you see this on Say Yes to the Dress all the time where they buy these dresses, like, assuming they're going to lose the weight and then don't lose the weight so that they can't wear these dresses. And it's like, we should just go and buy clothes or wedding dresses that fit us at the size that we are and flatter us and make us feel good and it really sucks that like the messaging we get is like the bride has to be perfect on her day like Tyler even says like when you walk down the aisle I want you to be the feel the hottest that you've ever felt in your life and by the way the use of the word hot there was very weird that he didn't say beautiful but you know such is life And I was like, that doesn't, that, like, this pressure that we put, that you have to feel the most beautiful that you've ever felt in your life on your wedding day. Like, why? Why do you need to feel that way? How about I want you to feel, like, comfortable and happy and beautiful, but it doesn't need to be the most and the best. And you don't need to, like, torture yourself for the next seven months Even though Kate, like, doesn't really lose any weight, like, mentally torture yourself that your body doesn't look the way that you want it to on your wedding day. It's just sad. So, as I said, Kate goes to try on this dress, and it doesn't fit her because she's gained 40 pounds and had another baby, and her boobs have gotten huge. She said when she bought that dress, she was a C cup, and now she's a triple D. Like, as a big-boobed girl, like, that shit's not going to fit you. (laughs) They try to pull the dress up. It doesn't go on. They try and put it over her head, and the... The bridal assistant was very nice, I thought. And she was like, look, this isn't going to fit. And she's like, you would probably need to go down four dress sizes to fit in this, which is a lot. Four dress sizes is a lot. Kate's gained four dress sizes. And that's okay. Like, it's okay that she gained that weight. And trying to, like, mold herself into this person that could still wear this dress was just really, it was nonsense. And I was really upset that, like, Tyler or her girlfriends or her mom weren't encouraging her to go just get a dress that fits her that she loves. It doesn't make any sense. So Caitlin and Tyler are talk. Well, first, Caitlin goes out to eat with a friend. She does get a salad, which didn't seem that healthy, (laughs) but whatever. (laughs) Might have fried chicken on it. Um, And she's like talking with her friend and she's just like, Tyler's comments really bother me. Um, he's, she's like, I know Tyler's trying and he's not doing this out of like anger. He's not trying to hurt me, but it really bothers me. So the next day, Tyler and Kate have a talk about this and Kate says she's going to 
sign up for Weight Watchers. She's doing the point system. And uh, she's, oh, well, she told her friend that. So she and Tyler have this conversation. She, she says she went through their fridge and, like, figured out all the point values for everything that works um, in her fridge and like or everything she eats in her fridge and Tyler's like well did you call the gym and Kate's like no I didn't call the gym and Tyler's like well why didn't you call the gym and they kind of get into it and Kate's like well when you say these things it makes me not want to do it more and Tyler's like well I don't know how I'm supposed to be supporting you like I thought I was being encouraging and he says if I if I don't tell you to call the gym, I know you're not going to do it, which was hard to hear. It was hard to hear because it's probably accurate. And I like this this episode was a really it was tough for Caitlin and Tyler. We just felt so bad for Kate. Like just could address that fits. At one point she's explaining to him, she's like, it just couldn't fit over my boobs and my ass. Like that's it. Those are only places it didn't fit. And it's like, Kate, that means it doesn't fit you. And she's like, well, I really want to start working on my arms because it's a strapless dress. And Tyler's like, well, why don't you just add sleeves to it? And she's like, well, I'm not adding sleeves. That would ruin the dress. It would be awful. And I'm just like, oh, God. Oh, I just feel so sad for Kate. And I mean, I felt for Tyler here, too, because Tyler has a wife that is talking about how she wants to lose weight and how much weight she wants to lose, but then will not diet or exercise. And that's really frustrating, too. It's really frustrating when you are with somebody or spend a lot of time with somebody who like constantly negatively talks about themselves or talks about a thing that they hate in their life and then won't make any adjustments to their life to change it. That's fucking exhausting. I get it. Like I get where Tyler's coming from and it's hard when your spouse gains 60 pounds or 40 pounds because I guess she's lost 20 at this point. Like it's hard when your spouse gains 40 pounds pretty quickly too. Like I feel for Tyler in this situation and I feel for Kate and I it just goes to show like how not good they are together at their foundation. Like Tyler doesn't know how to support Kate without being pushy because Tyler knows that if he doesn't push Kate, nothing will get done. But I think what Kate actually needs in a partner is somebody that empowers her. I think, and I I still think this is true. And like when I imagine Kate, I imagine her with like some big burly lumberjack guy that has a big beard that's like six five or like really tall and like wide shoulders and like is big and maybe he's fat too and like I think that Kate like that's what I see her with and I think and I would like that guy to her like empower her I think that Kate would really benefit from somebody in her life that builds her up and I think Tyler tries he just literally doesn't know how because they're very different people and I think Tyler deserves to be with somebody that is more motivated and get gets things done like he does and has a more like fitting you know personality that matches more and that like together they they're on the same page like Kate and Tyler are just never on the same page and it's hard to watch and it's hard to watch you because you know it's going to be like that forever Tyler does ask her like how can I be supportive and she's like well I need you to watch Nova because if you watch Nova, I could go to the gym. And I was like, interesting. I wonder if Tyler is not helping with Nova that much. But yeah, that was tough. That was a tough episode. I really wish Kate had somebody in her life that was empowering instead of, like, what Tyler is doing. Okay, let's talk about Farah. So, 
Farah is her mom is in town. <laughs> this is crazy. This episode is like really wild to me. So Dev is in town, and first they do a photo shoot for Sophia, which is hilarious. Like this actually really made me think of Troy, and I was laughing and like imagining Troy watch this <laughs> because they like dress. Sophia up is like a 1940s movie star and like have her pose with a trophy like she just won an award and like they're just such silly pictures they're very silly um and Troy would really laugh at them (laughs) and Troy's my friend and he would laugh at them (laughs) so Deb is in town and she wants Farrah to go to a convention with her to promote their sauce what is that you say their sauce yes if you will remember Deborah started a sauce called, I think, Mama and Me, where she was bottling the recipe of her mother's Italian sauce, like marinara, and put their faces on the front of it because she knows Ferris' face will help her sell more. And now she has this sauce that she's working on. And Farah is unhappy. Farah is unhappy about it. Um... She says they've had the sauce for four years, but there are no agreements or no contracts. And she doesn't directly say this, but what we imply is that Farah has paid for all of the startup's money for Deb to do this. And Deb has not made any money doing this. And it's been four years. So Farah feels really taken advantage of, and she is being taken advantage of. She is. and But this episode is like classic what's wrong with Farah in that instead of being like, Okay, I made a mistake giving you this money. I should have never done this. Um, but you know what? I know I'm not going to get this back, most likely. So I'm not going to be a part of this. You do the sauce. I don't really want anything to do with this, but it's your deal. And I'm not going to, like, shit on you for it. I just don't want to be a part of it. Instead, Farah shits on Deb at every moment. And this is the problem with Farah, right? Is that she's often right when dealing with her parents just the way that she deals with them is so exhausting. It's like so exhausting to watch. It's exhausting to follow. And it's like, just because you're right doesn't mean you're acting right. Do you know what I mean? Like she's right in this situation in a lot of situations with Deb, but she's not right in the way that she's treating the people around her. So um, they're at this convention a food convention, a sauce convention. I don't fucking know. Deborah says she wants to really meet a lawyer to help them like start up a lot of the business stuff, which I have learned working for an attorney that does business. <laughs> I'll be vague, I guess. Like one of the things that my bosses do is business related things. And um, I never realized like how much goes into starting a business. I mean, you can just start and do whatever you want, but like really, you should have, like, operating agreements. There should be, like, you have to have a board of directors. You have to have officers. You have to have yearly annual meetings and keep the minutes in your stock book. Like, you have to figure out what, like, how many stocks and shares. And it's really complicated. Guys, I'm here to tell you, business, it's complicated. (laughs) And, like, I've seen, you know, people doing buyouts. And I was like, wow, this is really complicated. And the buyout has to be based on the operating agreement that you made when you started the business. (laughs) And shareholders agreements. And it's just, it's really hard. And Deb, I guess, wants to get this all in motion. And Farah is uninterested in it. But instead of, as I said, separating from 
Deborah and just not being a part of this, Farrah goes because Farrah likes to put herself in painful situations when it comes to her parents because then she has the opportunity to lash out at them. That's absolutely what it is. Like, I see Farrah's the ultimate victim, right? Like, she really lives in this victim mentality. And even though she is a victim of her parents, this is something I really struggled with. Um, how to not have a victim mentality, even though I was legitimately a victim of, like, shitty parents and being molested and, like, a shitty boyfriend. Like, I was a victim, but the victim mentality wasn't getting me anywhere in my life, right? So, Fair is really, like, thriving on this victim mentality, which is, like, I get to act any way that I want because you hurt me. But that's not productive for the person like for yourself or anybody else around you or any of your relationships like it doesn't it doesn't help it makes things harder it just makes your life harder and that's why I've moved away from it and instead of like putting myself in these situations I'm like you know what I'm not going to do this I'm not going to be part of this like so with my grandmother like I I just do not talk to her really because she has hurt me a lot and I just don't want to be part of it. And like I could talk to her and then get mad at her and then we could have fights and I could be like, oh, I just hate Nana and like talk about how much I hate Nana and how much Nana's ruining everything like a lot of my family does. <laughs> like her children do. <laughs> but instead, I've just removed myself from it. And Jul- cousin Julie and I were talking recently about like, how nice it is that we like have both made the choice to just like remove ourselves from that and just like not play into it. And we both could do the same thing where we talk to Nana and fight with her and like have it be this big thing. But we don't want to do that. We just don't care to do that. And as kids, we didn't get a choice because we were children and we were forced to be around a very mean woman. But as adults, like I get to choose if I want to be around her or not or talk to her or not or play into this shit or not. And it's really for the best because I really, like, don't have negative feelings about it really anymore. And, like, I've had people ask, like, well, if she dies, would you feel bad? And I'm like, like, would you regret the way that you've, like, been the contact that you've had with her, the little contact that you've had with her? Like, I've probably spoken to her probably four times in the last five years, maybe. And that was, like, when I saw her, you know, at things. Um, And I was like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't regret it. I just wouldn't. Like, it my life is much better this way and I am a happier better person for not engaging in the emotional torture that she wants everybody else to engage with her in I mean I don't know it's a little different now she's much older but like I just can't do it so Farah, like could be like you know what I'm just not doing this with you I'm not doing this with you but instead Farah wants to punish Deb so she goes to the fucking convention with her and to be fair, Farrah's like 23, 24 at this time. Like I, you know, things have changed a little for her, I think, when it comes to her parents. But I don't know how much. But instead of, like I said, just saying no, Fair goes to the convention and fights with Deb there. She looks at the label and she's like, this label looks like shit. And Deborah's like, well, I hired a graphic designer who does food labels. Shout out Jesse, who does that for a living, who's been on this podcast. <laughs> Not just food labels, but she she's a graphic designer and she has done stuff for food labels and they always look really good. And it, it is a specialty. And oh my God, I was just like resting on my arm, all of my weight on my arm and it hurts so bad. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> why would I do that? Okay. Um, Farrah's like, this looks like shit. 
and Deb's like, well, you know, I went to this professional and I really like it. And Barry's like, our faces shouldn't be on it. It should be a picture of Cicely. Like, and they just fight about it. And it's, it's useless. It's just useless. So in the car afterwards, Deb is like, I met an attorney and I'm going to, we can speak to him tomorrow. And Fair goes, that's great. Send me the agreement afterwards. And Deb's like, well, I thought it was a we thing that we would talk to him. And Fair's like, you know what? I just don't want to be a part of this. And then Deb says, you know, this is a startup, which is a really funny word to use. Like when I think of startup, I don't think of sauce companies, maybe just me. And, you know, we're not going to make money right away because it's a startup. And this is when I really realized like, oh, Deb, Deb got a lot of money from Farrah for this and has not paid her back a single cent. Later, it's Michael's birthday. They go to one of those indoor skydiving places and then they have dinner and Deb and Farrah get into a huge fight. And Michael says exactly what I'm saying. If you're not comfortable doing business with your mom, don't do it with her. And Farrah's like, fine, 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 fine. And it's just... It's just awful. It's awful to watch. There's one point, oh, I wanted to bring up Heather because at the convention, she like kind of gets, you know how Heather's like always in a squat talking to Farrah Ramper? She's always in like a yogi squat. <laughs> always. And Deb is like, or uh, Heather's like, so what's going on? Do you just feel taken advantage of by your mom? <laughs> And she really does get Farrah to, like, calm down and talk to her. Like, it really is a skill. Like, Heather is a skillful producer, much like Kristen on Team Mom 2 who dealt with Janelle and Barb. Like, that's a skill. It makes people feel grimy to watch, I think, but she's good at her job. Okay, last but not least is Amber. Ambler. Ambular. I watched Clueless recently, speaking of Ambular, and let me tell you, that movie holds the fuck up. Like, I cannot believe how incredible incredible that movie is I watched it and like yeah of course some stuff is dated but for a movie that's so solidly about the time that it's in it's kind of classic and timeless which is crazy like because it's all about the clothes and the technology that they had and like the slang that they were using at the time and they talk about bands like the cardigans or the cranberries like somebody stole my cranberries cd like it's very of the times but it holds up in a way that's really great um and even like how they deal with christian the gay character it's not perfect but for a movie that came out in the late 90s right like or mid 90s it's not bad in 2020 when you watch it like once Cher realizes Christian is gay she then becomes his best friend they become good friends like it's just it's very it's very interesting if you haven't watched Clueless in quite a while I definitely suggest watching it. I think it's back on Netflix and it's just so it's funny it's smart it holds up so well and rest in peace Brittany Murphy as always rest in peace Brittany Murphy I should watch Uptown Girls tonight I love that movie Okay, so Amber's in Vegas to celebrate getting off parole. (laughs) This is where we find out that even though Amber does not do drugs anymore, she does drink once in a while. So Amber and Matt are at dinner, and she's like, a lady is staring at me. A lady is staring at me. I want to leave right now. I'm not having fun. And Matt is like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you like this? And Amber's like, you know why I'm like this. It's my anxiety. I can't be here. And this is really interesting because this is really kind of the beginning of Amber weaponizing, at least in my opinion, weaponizing her mental health against her partners. Now, 
This is not a defensive Matt. <laughs> Let's get it clear. I'm not defending Matt here. Like, we all know, like, Matt is truly the supervillain of Teen Mom. As Tomlin and I talked about, like, he is a straight-up monster. Like, he really is. Like, he is a really bad person. So this is not me defending Matt, but I do think it's interesting the way that Amber really weaponizes her mental health. And so you can't say anything to Amber because she'll just be like, well, it's my anxiety. Because at the time, I guess she didn't have her bipolar uh, borderline personality disorder diagnosis. So which is what she does now. It's my bipolar. It's my borderline. Like she doesn't take accountability. She just says like, this is my issue. So I'm allowed to act how I want to act. Basically very similar to Farrah and the victim mentality is how Amber acts. And she's like, well, I have no control over this, basically. There's nothing that I can do to prevent me from acting this way. So if you're mad at me, you're actually mad at me for having mental illness. And that's fucked up of you. Which is shitty. It's shitty. So they're in a car after dinner, like a production car, because it's a minivan. And Matt and Amber are like, are fighting about it. And Matt is like, you just get different. When the cameras are on and Amber is heated, Amber's like, why would you say that? And he's like, well, you're only mean to me. You only act like this when the cameras are here. And this is when Amber is like goes off. She's like, you know, I have social anxiety. It gets so much worse in person or like when I'm out in public, which I definitely feel for Amber. Like I, I really have a lot of empathy for Amber when it comes to how she must feel going out in public like she is a person that has very bad anxiety and she has bad social anxiety and then she has to go out in public with cameras on her and she's already famous um this came up when they went to florida like two seasons ago and she was in the grocery store like really freaked out like i think it is very hard for amber to move through this world and i can't imagine how hard it is to have like bad social anxiety and then become famous and then have to be out in public with cameras on me like I think that's why, like, Amber is always at home and especially always films at home because I think she, like, literally cannot film in public. Like, I think it's too much for her to film in public. Um, And I know Amber gets a lot of shit for sitting on the couch, but I, I can't say that I would be that different if I was Amber. You know, Macy can always turn it. Like, she doesn't care. She goes to dinner. They're filming her. Like, what does she care? She's always out in public filming. Always. And Amber never really is. And I really do think it's because she just like can't handle the anxiety that it gives her. But Matt is like, you are different on camera. Um, You're really mean to me when you're on camera. And she was like, Amber's heated at this. She was like, how dare you say that? That's so fucked up of you to say. Um, And I think it's because this is probably the beginning of Matt kind of like using Teen Mom against her which I imagine that he did a lot. Like, you're, like, like similar to Nate with Janelle, like, your white trash that hit the lottery. Like, I think Matt and Amber did something similar to that. And Amber is just, she's so mad. She's so mad. And Matt is like, well, I don't understand why you're so mad. And Amber says, I won't act like this if you don't say shit like that. Which to me is, it was obviously very, like, knowing how Amber is, right as an abuser like to hear an abuser say I kind of think Matt and Amber had one of the very few mutually abusive relationships I I do think mutually abusive relationships are pretty rare I think there's usually an abuser and then if there's like mutual violence or aggression it's because the victim starts to lash out 
But I do think um, Amber and Matt are one of the rare, like, mutually abusive relationships. And I, like I said, I think Matt gave it as good as Amber did. I guess, like, gave it as good as he get it is what I'm trying to say. But Amber being like, I'm only doing this to you. I'm only being mean to you and treating you poorly because of what you're doing to me is very much abusive language. And it's scary. It's scary to hear an abuser say that. It's really scary because then they always have an excuse to mistreat you. And if you're in a relationship with somebody who really acts out and says it's because of your behavior, you should evaluate that. You should really, like, think about if that's true and why you would, like, why somebody would blame you for their behavior. And it's a warning sign. It is. It's a warning sign. And I'm not saying that means, like, if your partner says that, they're going to, like, physically abuse you. But it, it really is emotional abuse to blame your cruel and mean behavior towards a person on the person that is receiving that. Like, it's it's very cruel. It's fucked up to do. It's emotionally abusive. Okay, so they get back to the hotel, and Amber tells us in a voiceover that they kept fighting. MTV left. They got into a huge fight, and Matt punched a wall. So she called the camera crew back, which I found very interesting. I found very interesting, like, that they would call the camera crew back to like document the end of this fight I wonder if it's because I kind of wonder if so Amber and Matt have not been together that long at this point they're engaged but they haven't even been together a year I wonder if this was maybe their first big blow up and Amber was scared of how she reacted maybe she was scared by Matt punching the wall but I wonder if she called MTV to like diffuse behavior because remember Amber is like pretty freshly out of jail at this point and like seemingly does want to change her life and I wonder if she was like really worried that she would maybe hit Matt and so she called MTV back to kind of like stop her from doing it or stop Matt from hitting her um I just was like that's weird that's weird that you would call MTV back to like document the after series like you know, like an hour later, like you need to come back because Matt punched a wall and we want to talk about our fight on camera. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's very weird. And to me, I wonder if she did that because that was her way to diffuse the situation. Um, he's, he's broken his hand. Heather's like, do you want to go to the hospital? And he's like, no, I'll do it when I get home. Okay. Um, well, I guess he didn't break his hand, but he has hurt his hand because punching a wall hurts. Um, that's another thing. If you are with somebody who punches a wall or punches objects or destroys objects, that is a form of domestic violence, um, even if they're not hitting you because it is an intimidation tactic and it's really fucking scary. And Amber's like, he just started acting like a 15 year old boy. And this is my supposed, this is supposed to be my vacation. Oh, it's just, it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, especially knowing, like, how bad Matt and Amber get and that they stay together for, like, years after this fight. I do believe that Amber has now said that she had a miscarriage right before they went to Vegas, and that's why they were fighting and Matt was upset. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. Um... I'm 99% sure. That might not be right, and I might be misremembering it, but 
That adds a spin to things. <laughs> so the next day they go to see a, a psychic duo, tarot card readers. And it's really a lot of bullshit. It's really a lot of bullshit. Um, like, I, they're just like, tell us about yourselves so we can get a read on this. And I'm like, okay, you're straight up asking them. <laughs> How Like, you are cold reading them with information there. Like, you're telling them you're about to cold read them. <laughs> if you guys don't know what cold reading is, it's um how, like, psychics that are fake. I don't, look, are psychics real? I don't fucking know. I don't know. But the way that psychics, like, that are fake will work in crowds or, like, will work with a person is that they do this thing called cold reading, which is when they use information that that person has given them and then, like, best guesses on what is possibly right based on that information. So they'll say something like, the person will be like, I'm going through a loss. And so then you start like, okay, well, that name start with a J because J is a very common first letter of a name. Shit like that. Um, it's called cold reading. It's an, it's interesting if you look into it. And the most famous psychics, like let's say the Long Island Medium, or who was that guy that was really famous? I can't remember his name. But yes, they're swindling people out of money. Sure, 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 sure. But like their ability to cold read is honestly pretty incredible. It's like pretty amazing to watch. And it is a real skill and talent. Um, their ability to, like, manipulate a situation is really, that to me is very interesting. And I like to watch that. I haven't watched a Long Island Medium episode in a long time. Is she still on TV? I know her and her husband got divorced because, of course, I follow her on Instagram. Uh, so then we get a weird scene of Matt and Amber laying in bed together. And the camera zooms in so close to them. And I'm like, how is this filmed? It was so weird. And they're basically just talking about how they love each other and they 100% want to get married and they're both scared because of their past relationships. And Amber's like, babe, I'm 24 years old. Like, I'm scared, babe. I'm scared. And that's how it ends. <laughs> oh, anyway, guys, thank you for bearing with me in what is probably a weird episode in which I sound not quite right because I am not quite right. If you are interested in listening to me talk a lot more, you can come to my Patreon at patreon.com slash LizExplains. Last week, I put out episodes on the Queen of Versailles, the incredible documentary, and the documentary that was on the BBC called One Man, Six Wives, and 29 Children. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. I think this week, I'm going to put out episodes on Lori Vallow um, and... Jenna Marbles probably this week. So if you're interested in that, come on over to Patreon. If not, I understand. Love you guys. Have a good week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.